0: Our study for today comes from the book of John, chapter two, beginning in verse one. And the Bible says, on the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now, both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Jesus said to her, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come his mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Now there were set there six water pots of stone, according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. When the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from. But the servants who had drawn the water knew the master of the feast called the bridegroom. And he said to him, every man at the beginning sets out the good wine. And when the guests have well drunk, when the then the inferior, you have kept the good wine until now. This beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. After this, he went down to Capernaum, he his mother, his brothers and his disciples, and they did not stay there many days. This lesson today, we're going to be discussing the topic, I can do bad all by myself. Picture the scene with me. The house is packed. There's plenty of food. People have come from all over Galilee. There are gifts everywhere. Everybody's having a good time. Everything seemed to be going well. Yet here we are just days into the wedding celebration when the problem arises. You see, according to Jewish tradition, after a man proposed to his suspected bride, he'd leave her at her parents' home while he went back to his father's house to make preparations for the wedding. While there, he'd add on an extension to the house because this is where he and his new bride would live after they got married. The entire renovation would usually take about A year, Uh, so the groom had plenty of time to make sure everything was in order. And so during this year, he'd work out a budget, he'd uh, get his guest list together, he would hire a well qualified wedding planner, he'd make sure the invitations were sent out on time and reserve enough hotel rooms for all of the out of town guests. He'd secure a good photographer and line up a couple of well known floors. He'd contract a good caterer so the food and the drink were on point. He talked to a, a pastor about officiating the ceremony. He'd make all the necessary preparations because this was his big day, and he wanted to make sure everything was perfect because depending upon the economic status of the groom, the wedding celebration could last up to two weeks. So there were plenty of opportunities for something to go wrong. And this is why he made sure to dot every I and to cross every T. Yet here we are, despite all of his planning and despite all of his preparation, and the Bible says that they have ran out of wine. Now, this is huge because it would be an embarrassment not just for the groom, but also for the family if they ran out of provisions before the end of the wedding celebration. But that's what the text says. It says that they ran out of wine you know what I thought was interesting about the text is that in the original language, this phrase ran out means to lack or to, to fail, uh, which means that despite all of his planning and despite all of his preparations, despite the fact that he had uh, the best caterer and made sure he counted all the RSVPs, despite the fact that he did everything humanly possible to make sure that. Everything ran smoothly. The text uh, says that he still failed. He still came up short. He still missed the mark. And uh, for those who are listening, I want to submit to you today that the reason why he failed uh, is because as as broken individuals, as broken and flawed people, as a fallen humanity, we are physically and spiritually incapable of accomplishing anything on our own. Uh, which means that it doesn't matter how much we prepare or how much we plan. It doesn't matter how much effort we put into it. If our plans do not include Jesus, then our plans will ultimately amount to nothing. Uh, That's why Isaiah tells us that uh, all of our righteousness is as filthy rags, Uh, because even at our best, we are not good enough. Uh, Now, understand that this does not mean that we won't try because we have to admit that we are a resourceful people. And so even though we can look back at our past mistakes and our former failures and realize that at no point were we ever successful without him, it doesn't mean that we won't try anyway. Uh, But let me tell you what I love about God. I love the fact that God already knows who I am. And so he already knows that ever since the fall of humanity, it's just been a part of my nature to attempt to work independently of him. But instead of giving us what we disturb, it deserve and instead of allowing us to continue to fall flat on our face, the Bible says that he is patient with us, not willing that any of us should perish, but that at some point we would all come to repentance, that we would realize that we need him. And so, beloved, God knows and he understands who we are. But I would admit to you today, but that it make what makes it so hard is is, is when we get out there on our own and we start to do things on our own and we find ourselves having a little bit of success. Then we start to think that we were the ones responsible for that success in the first place. And it encourages us to continue to work independently of the father. And, and And that's exactly what the devil wants us to do. He wants you to think that because you made it through this situation or because it worked out in your favor that time, you can make it on your own and that you don't need Jesus. But like that supply of wine, you may do all right for a couple of days and you may do fine for a couple of weeks. But as the text says, sooner or later, you will run out. Sooner or later, you are going to fail. Uh, but I, w- I want to encourage someone who is listening to this today. And I want to remind you that even when you fall, Jesus is always there to pick you up. All you have to do is ask. Listen to what it says in verse four, after Jesus's mother tells him that they have ran out of wine. He says, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. Now I can imagine this is hard for many of us to digest because to be honest, his response seems rather harsh. Uh, But this phrase was actually a common expression in Greek that referred to a difference in realms or relations. Uh, What do I mean? In other words, during those times, the man's world was normally regarded as being outside of the home and in the public space, whereas the woman's domain was regarded as being inside the home. And in the context of the wedding, which was normally a combination of the two, uh, because it was the public realm coming into the home, these two worlds would collide. And so when Jesus says, what does your concern have to do with me? Or better yet, why do you involve me? What he's basically saying is, what are you expecting me to do? Because this is your domain. This is your space. Besides, it's not my time yet. You see, by this time, Mary has carried the stigma of his miraculous birth for 30 years. So it's natural that she wanted some kind of Public revelation of who Jesus was. So when the need arose, that's who she calls. Now remember, we, we just said that whenever we fail, Christ is always there to pick us up. All we have to do is ask. But what you notice about this entire discourse is that the Bible does not tell us that Mary knew what Jesus was capable of because this would be his first miracle. So she doesn't really know what her son can do. Yet she still believes he has the power to do something. Even though the Bible never mentions Mary seeing Jesus perform a miracle, she still believes that Jesus is capable of doing what needed to be done. Beloved, I don't know what you're going through right now, and I don't know how bad your situation is. I don't know how much planning or preparation or effort you've put into it. But the one thing that I do know is that God is aware and that God knows, and he's the only one capable of doing something about it. For the Bible says in Psalm eighteen six, in my distress, I called upon the Lord and cry to my God for help. In other words, when I did everything that I could, but I still failed, when I made all of these preparations, but they still came up short, when I did all that I could do on my own, but it still didn't help. That's when I cried out to God. It it goes on to say, he heard my voice out of his temple and my cry for help before him, Came into his ears. You see, that's the part that just gets me excited because it means that no matter how many times I've messed up or no matter how many times I just don't get it right. No matter how many times I fail, Jesus is always ready and he's always willing to pick up where we left off. All we have to do is ask. And you see, I'm just so crazy enough to believe that if we ask, Christ can restore our marriages. If we ask, he can reconcile our relationships. If we ask, he can bring our families back together and he can bring our wayward children back into a saving relationship with Jesus. If we just ask and if we would admit that we can do nothing without him. Beloved, I'm just crazy enough to believe that he can give you everything that you need. And so after telling Jesus that they've ran out of wine, Jesus says to Mary, why do you involve me? She then tells the servants, do whatever he tells you to do. Now, remember, Mary has yet to see him perform a miracle, but she still believes that he is the only one able and capable Of doing what needs to be done. And so Mary understands that she doesn't have all the answers. She understands that in order to prevent further embarrassment and to make sure the problem is solved, she has to give it to Jesus. And, you know, sometimes because of our insatiable desire to be in control, we 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 actually get in the way of what God is trying to do to us, what God is trying to do through us and what God is trying to do for us. So instead of just accepting that God is sovereign over all things, we have a tendency to question the Savior, forgetting that we were the ones that got ourselves into this situation in the first place. But beloved, the Bible says that the secret things belong to the Lord, which means that some of us, sometimes you have to learn how to stay in your own lane and stop worrying about it, stop trying to fix that thing that we're physically and spiritually incapable of fixing. Situations and circumstances that, to be honest, are above our pay grade. Because the reality is it's none of our business how God decides to work that thing out. Our job is to go back through the Rolodex of our lives and to remember that God has never failed us. And so Mary tells the servants, do whatever he tells you to do. And I want you to notice what happens in verse six. It says, now there were set there six water pots of stone according to the manner of purification of the Jews containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water and they filled them up to the brim. Now in my sanctified imagination, what I hear Jesus saying is take these six water pots and fill them with water, the same water pots that you had stored up in the attic that you could not give away at your last garage sale. sale. uh, Watch how I take these same water pots that you thought were useless, that you thought were irrelevant and use them in ways you never had the ability to use them. It's like when he took the five loaves and the two fish from the boy in Luke chapter six and used them to feed the five thousand. And when through Elijah, he took the handful of flour and a small jar of oil from the widow of Zarephath and fed her and her son for days on end. You see, God has a way of taking what we already have, no matter how small or how insignificant it may be. He has a knack of being able to take what we already have and use it beyond what we were ever able to accomplish out of it. For example, Christ is able to take that that little piece of check that you get every week, the same one that has you owing money at the end of the month. He's able to take that same check and stretch it and bless it in such a way that not only are your bills paid, but you even have a little bit left over. And even though he has the ability to bless you with another job, he can bless you with the one you have. And for some of you, he doesn't need to bless you with a new spouse because he can fix that, too. You see, Christ is a master of taking what we already have, no matter how broken or how messed up, no matter how insignificant we may think it is. He's able to take our nothings and turn them into somethings. And not only does he turn our nothings into something, but when he does it, it turns out to be exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think. Listen to what the Bible says in verse eight of John chapter two. And he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it when the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from. But the servants who had drawn the water knew the master of the feast called the bridegroom. And he said, every man at the beginning sets out the good wine and. When the guests have well drunk, than the inferior. You have kept the good wine until now. So when Jesus steps in, not only does he provide what you and I are physically and spiritually incapable of providing for ourselves, but the Bible says that what he provides is head and shoulders above not only what we've ever had, but it's also head and shoulders above what we could have ever imagined that's why the Bible says in Ephesians 3 20 that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think according to the power that works in us. So when we allow Jesus to take the wheel when when we allow Jesus to drive the bus, when we allow Jesus to have full control and to make all the plans and all the preparations, not only does he take care of us, but the Bible says he does it exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think. In other words, we can't even comprehend the blessings that God wants to bestow upon his people. That's why Paul can say in 1 Corinthians 2, 9, that eye has not seen, ear hath not heard, nor hath entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. That means God is able to take that marriage that you are ready to give up on. He's able to take that same marriage and make it better than you could have ever imagined. It, it means he's able to take that job, the one you've been at in the same position for the last 10, 20 years. He's able to take you from being a clerk or a janitor to actually owning the company. Because remember, God said that he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think which is what he does to the wine. He takes the ordinary and makes it extraordinary. Beloved, that's what God wants to do for you. That's what he wants to do for you. God wants to do amazing things in your life, but he won't do them until you realize that all of your plans have to include Him. Why? Because we can only do the impossible with Jesus, but we can do bad all by ourselves. Father in heaven, in the name of Jesus, we thank you so much that if we just give everything over to you, you are able and willing and capable of doing for us what we cannot do for ourselves, I pray right now in the name of Jesus for that man, woman, boy or girl who's listening to this podcast message. I pray that their hearts, their minds will be surrendered to you and that they would allow you to work in them everything that you want for them. This is our prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen.